0: So in Luke chapter two, verse three, it says, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him for them in the inn. So Jesus was sent by God to, to this world to save us. Very simple. You would surely expect such an important visitor to stay in the best hotel. Maybe not the Marriott, because Mormons own that. But he would have come into, <laughs> come into Bethlehem like, you know, Joseph, you know, has this visitor from heaven, a whole other dimension, right? Coming to save the world. You would expect him to come with some flash or some flare. But Jesus was sent by God, and so he had to have a humble beginning. Why? Because that's God's character. He is humble. And Jesus came to represent God to us, to humans. And God is not concerned with five-star amenities and soft pillows and blankets. My wife and I stayed at this hotel called the Magnolia downtown one time. Dude, their pillows and mattresses were out of control. Good. They were so... they were amazing. I, I, there are not words to say how comfortable, right? It was incredible. Uh, they, they were so soft, and this is like a few years ago that we stayed there, and I still remember best night of sleep I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, it was just like fell asleep and in, or fell uh, lay down and was instantly asleep. You know, but God, He doesn't care about amenities like that. He's humble in every sense of the word. He just doesn't care about stuff. Because he cares about people. He wanted to make sure that we knew his character, that he cared about us, and so he came as a humble child to the most humiliating situation ever to be born in this type of situation. It's such a strange thing that people struggle to be like God, especially during Christmas time. This is when people struggle the most with materialism. I think deep down in our hearts, it's like, what am I going to get this year? My first question to everyone today was, what'd you get for Christmas? You know, just showing how carnally minded I am. When God is literally demonstrating how not to be consumed with material things. And instead of being, uh, instead of material things, his son is consumed with with the plan and purposes of his Father. That's how Jesus came into this world, was all about the plan and purposes of his Father. Good lessons for us. Jesus didn't come rich. Jesus didn't come popular. He wasn't in the inn crowd. No room in the inn, get it? Oh, that was good. I, he didn't have nice clothes. That, you know, I don't even think they sell swaddling clothes at the Gap anymore but think about how far God had to come for us to know him. He was rich. God, rich, right? He owns everything. He, there's no, wealth doesn't even mean anything to him because he's so stinking rich, and he set that all aside, and he became poor. He, he's popular. Every angel, every star, every creature knows him, and he set aside that popularity to be born in obscurity, with nobody knowing who he was. He had clothes. We, d- we hear described he has a white robe in heaven, God's clothed with the righteous, you know, just clothed in glory. He set all of that aside. God was willing to make accommodations to have fellowship with us. He did all of these things for us. He makes all of these accommodations to his own person for us. It's all for you. There was this hospital patient who was in an accident and was left with only a sense of smell. His eyes were destroyed. His hearing was gone. Taste gone. Only smell was left with this person, And this little girl, actually. And her mother loved her daughter, and even though she was in this horrible accident, she wanted to communicate with her daughter a sense of her presence. And so she used a perfume that the girl would remember to be her mother's perfume. Now, the perfume is not the mother's essential nature. It's not who the mother is, but it was an extension of her that could communicate her presence to her daughter. And God does the same things with us. He makes these accommodations. He wants us to know what he is. And so Jesus being born in Bethlehem, it's like the perfume explaining to us God's presence, how he does things, who he is, what he's like. He is not flashy. He's real. God is not essentially a body. He's not contained in a body, but yet he put himself in a body for us. He became human. To ex- he extended himself to communicate on our level so that hopefully you and me could respond to him because he's calling out to us. He wants this relationship, this fellowship. Well, where did this happen, this whole birth of Jesus? If you go to Israel today and you go to Bethlehem, there's this church in the Nativity is built on this very spot, which is a cave outside of Bethlehem. It's pretty neat. You can, you can see that there was a cave there. Uh, they even have like this little star thing that they said, this is the place where Jesus was born, which is like, how do you know? You don't know. But it probably was in this cave, which was where the the, um, the animals would have been kept there. So... We get now to verse 8 in chapter 2, and it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Okay, so we need to talk about these shepherds for a minute. Who are these guys? By the way, how do sheep greet each other on Christmas? They say, Merry Christmas to you, E W E. So the sheep says, hey, stop poking me. Shepherd says, huh? Sheep says, hey, stop poking me. The shepherd says, huh? Sheep says, hey, stop poking me. The shepherd says, huh? The sheep says, hey, stop poking me. Shepherd says, huh? (laughs) The sheep says, you heard me. Just think about it. Just think about it. I love that joke. I think that's one of my favorite jokes of all time. It cracks me up. Okay. These shepherds. They. They. The Bible Almanac. If, you, if you're looking up shepherds, it says that the shepherds were distrusted in Jesus' day. So it's kind of like shepherds were out there in the field. They were kind of like the crazy people of the day, you know? Probably had long hair and lice and just weirdos, right? Well, so yeah, weirdos. That's that's who the story falls to you now. It's kind of like wherever the shepherds would wander, your stuff would disappear. Like, oh. Kind of like a reputation like gypsies or something would have. Um they were had this reputation as being like a wild bunch too like they they would be out there in the field and just kind of party uh, James Boyce says this this they were like a rural nomadic folk they were despised uh, in that in the first century they were considered unreliable and were not even allowed to give testimony in law, in, in courts um, and We know that the Egyptians hated shepherds too they they thought all shepherds were an abomination so much that joseph uh, yeah joseph wouldn 't even eat with his brothers when uh, uh, because they were shepherds. So, so shepherds were not very respected in this culture. But they spent a lot of time alone. They spent a lot of time in thought, maybe even in conversation with God. I mean, they're out there in the fields. They, there's no city lights. And so have you guys ever been out in the fields when it was super, you're away from the city and the stars look just unreal? Troy was telling me about the first time he saw Star Wars in the drive-in. And it was a very crystal clear night. And he said the stars just blended into the back of the movie. Yeah. Sounds awesome, right? I was like, ah, oh. Star Wars was awesome, by the way. Um, so they, they were out there um, in the, and looking up at the stars and nature. And sometimes when you have that time with nature, it can really draw out a conversation with God, with the Lord, and many thoughts of God and his power. And so they spent a lot of time also doing what? Taking care of sheep. Herding them, right? Um, You know, they were watching them, protecting them, caring for them. So these are the people. And these Bethlehem shepherds, it's very interesting from history, we learn the Bethlehem shepherds were responsible to care for the temple flock of sheep. The flock that was used to uh, be sacrifices for people's sins at the temple in Jerusalem. So these men have been protecting and caring for sacrificial lambs. That's been their profession. And God chooses these guys on purpose. And I think one reason is that they, of all people, would understand the purpose of a lamb being born to die for sins they would know that a lot of these little lambs that they were feeding and caring for, even putting their lives on the line, protecting them from wild beasts, why were they protecting them? So that they could go to the temple and be slaughtered, killed for the sins of the people. They may have thought their jobs were meaningless, but God had been preparing them for this moment that we're seeing right now in Luke chapter 2. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was a great, with, was with the angel a, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men." Well, that is different than the normal night of watching sheep. Have you ever been calmly listening to the radio and then all of a sudden the emergency broadcast system? kicks in you know you're listening you know it's it's like terrifying right like (laughs) it makes my son james greatly afraid just like the bible says (laughs) when when the the emergency broadcast he always thinks it's a tornado and we're all gonna die right guys always thinks it's we're gonna die well that 's kind of like what 's going on here. This angel shows up and he stands in front of them it 's not a calming you know sound that that emergency broadcast system Well, if an angel shows up and he 's glowing and looking very angelly i don 't know what angels look like, but obviously it 's like what is going on? so these guys are greatly afraid, and the glory of the Lord it says shines around them now what 's crazy is that this glory of God this This Shekinah glory, this weight of God, this God's very presence, it had been gone for hundreds of years by this time. It had departed from the temple. God had not been giving his glory to the people of Israel at this time because of their sin and their rebellion. But now he steps in and he shows this glory and no one had seen it for hundreds of years, but it's unmistakable when you do see it. Most of the people in the Bible who did see it, they would fall down dead or faint, or they were so scared they would wet themselves. Literally, the Bible says when people see the glory of the Lord, it's so intense that the reactions are always extreme. And these shepherds, they're greatly afraid too. But the angel says to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. He says, calm down, boys. I'm not here to kill you. If I was, you'd be dead already. I'm an angel, bro. I have good news, this angel says. He says, and it's all about joy for all people. Shepherds weren't known for being very joyous and they really didn't care that much about people. So it's interesting that the angel chose these guys to be the one that he would give his message to. And his message is this, for in for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He says the reason for all this joy and good news is that there is a Savior born, not a reformer, someone here just to, Reform the Jewish religion. Not a uh, committee. We're going to fix things with a committee. No, we didn't need that. Not an advisor. Not a helper. Not even an example. Jesus didn't come to be your example. He came to be your Savior. And the word you here is the uh, plural sense. It's to you all, not just to the shepherds. It's to everyone. Every person, he came to be a savior. And it says, he shall be Christ the Lord, it says. What does that mean? He is the Christ. That means he's the one that was prophesied about. He's the one that was promised to Adam, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, as we've been studying in the book of Genesis. We've seen this promise that Jesus would come in the book of Genesis so many times. We've seen it. And then you have Isaiah and Ezekiel and David and Elijah and all these other guys that would continue to receive this promise from God. And this angel said, this Jesus, this baby who was born, is the fulfillment of all of those promises and so many others. And it says he's the Lord. He's Christ the Lord. So that when it says that, it means he is divine. He is God. He did not have to earn his position position. As Lord, because he has always been Lord. He was born already being Lord, already God. And they say, This will be the sign to you that you will find this babe wrapped in swatting clothes, lying in a manger. In other words, this angel says to them, Guys, you're not gonna recognize this Savior unless I give you a hint. And here's the hint humility. Humility is the key to finding God, to finding your Savior. If you're ever looking for God's direction, for God's leading in your life, what's the plan for my life? Follow humility and you'll find it. If you're looking for a spouse, follow humility. You be humble about who you are, find someone else who's humble that god will work in that situation you will find god present there what about a calling what is my calling for life follow humility not how can i be the greatest person ever at my job the greatest salesman the greatest this the greatest that but no how can i humble myself and serve the people that god places in my life that will be a calling God's character is humility, and he will always bless and give grace to the humble. We've studied those verses so many times here at church. God gives grace to the but opposes the proud. I, you guys, I don't even know why I'm here. You guys can teach this Bible study. It's so true. Jesus showed it before he spoke it, right? Before he wrote that in James 4.6 and 1 Peter 5.5, 5, He showed us that humility is what God blesses. He's such a perfect Savior. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. So the angels end their little message with this concert. Uh, Actually, it doesn't say that they were singing though. We we kind of interpret it because we we hear we sing the songs and you know hallelujah and all that. We think that they were singing, but it actually doesn't say that they were singing. Uh, I think maybe they were just all freaking out about how amazing God is that He would offer this peace to men. It it, it kind of blows the angels' mind that He God would be so nice to people because the angels knew about the war. What war? The war between men and God. The rebellion of man. See, men would not have God rule over them. Way back in the garden we started this. And through every generation, we've rebelled for having God rule over us. We've said, no, we will not have this man rule over us. And God, the angels knew about that. The angels watch in awe as we rebel against the great God who could instantly kill us if He wants to, yet He gives us the freedom to rebel against Him. And, and the, the angels are just amazed and they're like, why is God so patient with these rebels? Why does God do this? And then. They see this plan unfolding with this promise of a Savior and a Messiah, and then it comes to pass, the Messiah is actually born, this God that they know as a God that's glorious and powerful and never to be questioned, and never, no one would ever go against him. Anyone who does is instantly killed and done away with because he's so powerful. They see this God that they know as a baby in humility and weakness, totally dependent on God. Flippin' teenagers. Mary and Joseph were like, teenagers at this time, I don't know any teenagers that I would trust with a baby, let alone the Savior of the world. So, these angels are amazed. They're freaking out, and they're like, God is so amazing that he would be so good to bring peace where there should be war. Angels are like, There's, if everything was right... God would just go to war with all mankind right now. But God decides, no, I'm going to be gracious. And the angels, it just blows their mind. And they just start praising God and saying, he's so great, we don't even understand how he could be this awesome. God has pursued peace with men. He doesn't want to fight with us anymore. He would win if he fought us, right? He loves men, And he wants and desires fellowship with men. And he was willing to do what it took to end the war. Jesus is God's peace treaty with rebellious men. He supplies all that we need to have peace with God. And for more study on that, we did a study called Propitiation, or you should know your propitiation, where it talked about how Jesus could end that war how Jesus could satisfy God's anger, which is really amazing. I suggest you take a look at it. He supplies all that we need to have peace with God. So peace, peace. Peace on earth, joy, blah, blah. We, We hear about peace a lot during Christmas time, right? Peace all the time. Peace on earth, goodwill, torment. We hear that all the time. Christmas does not bring peace to everyone, though. It brings peace to those who believe and come to the Savior that was born on Christmas. Those people do get peace. And that's called faith. Believing God's promises. Those who come to the Savior of Christmas, that is called faith. When you come to Him. Believing God's promises. The key that unlocks the treasure chest of God's peace is faith in the promises of God. Let me read that one more time for you. The key that unlocks the treasure chest of God's peace is faith in the promises of God. So in other words, there's this treasure chest filled with God's peace, his goodwill towards you, his good intentions of your life. He has peace for you. No matter what you're going through, it's available in God. But the key to unlock it is trusting or believing in God's promises. Romans 15:13 is the verse that we're going to look at right now. And in Romans chapter 15 verse 13 it basically explains this for us in a very clear way. Romans 15:14 15, 15:13, 15, excuse me. Now, it says, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that again for you. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, all joy and peace, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when God says, Here's my Savior for you. Here's a baby. He's going to be the Savior. You have an opportunity to believe that promise. But you also have the freedom to not believe it. But if you do decide to believe that this baby and what he would do through his life is the Savior... God says here that you will be filled with all joy and peace. If you just believe it. If you just believe it. All joy and peace. That sounds pretty good. I would like all joy and peace. That would be great. That is the promise of God. Well, maybe you say, but I don't, I don't have this joy and I don't have peace. And I believe... I believe in the Christmas story. I mean, who doesn't? I'm an American. Right? But I'm going to challenge you today. Have you gone to him? That's great that you believe. But have you gone to him? Have you heard who he is and then sought him out? As we're going to see these shepherds do. Have you read the word And prayed and waited upon him in faith. That's what this looks like. If you want to be this shepherd, if you want to receive this peace and and joy that the Bible talks about all the time, that that those annoying Christians who were happy all the time have, if you want that, let me ask you, have you been reading your Bible and praying, waiting upon God? Because that's what it looks like. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you believe that this baby is the Savior, that's what that belief looks like. Well, obviously I'm going to read his words. I'm going to speak with him. I'm going to deal with him in faith, and I'm going to wait upon him to see how he may save me. All right? These are the steps of faith. They're not works. They are not works. They are the steps of faith. I don't read the Bible to earn God's favor. I read the Bible because I believe God chose me already to have favor on, that God has already shown favor to me. And so I read the words so that I can glean what this favor is. What does God want to do in my life? What is God doing in my life? What what do you want me to do today? What can I do today for your kingdom? That's why I spend time in the Word. That's why I pray It is not a work, it is a step of faith. It's simple. You believe the promises of God and you will have it. It's simple, even a child can understand. So, verse 15, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass that the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. How simple is their faith? They simply believe in their hearts what God told them, what was revealed to them. And they say, let's go and see. Now, if if they would have said, "Eh, that's cool, see ya," and turned around and walked away, Would you say they believe what God had showed them? No. You would say they don't believe. No matter what they say, oh, I believe in Christmas, I believe in the baby Jesus, hallelujah. It doesn't matter if they don't go and see for themselves. There was an action connected to their faith that made their faith real, that showed that their faith was real. They didn't sing a song like Mary They didn't need a star like the wise men. They didn't have to go and try and find Herod for directions. And they don't go shopping for gifts. They simply just say to each other, let's go and see him. I'm not worried about anything else except him. Him. This one person named Jesus is all I'm worried about. Mary, Joseph, whatever. They could be there or not, I don't care. Jesus. Jesus. Is who they're looking for they go in faith and so what happens they find jesus it's that easy jesus is there to be found but he's hidden from the world because the door to him the door to god the door to jesus is called faith there is no other way these simple shepherds can have faith because simple people can trust god's promises but when people get too complex, when people get too into their intelligence and their opinions, and this is how I think it should be, and this is how it, should, it probably works, and I want it to be like this, instead of just believing what God's simple promise says, that, hey, I'm going to save you through this one dude, they say, no, it's got to be something else. It's got to be about me and finding my inner child and going back here and doing this and going over here. And I've got to save these people. I've got to do these things. And it gets so complex. When God is teaching us a lesson here, be simple like the shepherds. It's when you want to try to figure everything out that things become cloudy. Things get sketchy. Isn't it funny that the wise men had to stop and get directions? They got lost and had to go to Herod, most evil guy ever to get directions to the Messiah. Isn't that interesting? Yet the simple shepherds never got lost, found him right away. Sometimes we have to say that being wise and smart isn't as good as being simple and trusting. And that's true when it comes to the Bible and your soul. Our souls benefit from simply saying, I believe the Bible, I don't care what you say. Evolution sounds interesting, but it's dumb and not true because the Bible says it's not true. Well, how can you be so simplistic? Hey, I have joy and peace. What do you have? No, you don't have that. I do. And it's true. The Bible's true. The Bible says it happens this way. That's That's the truth. So we can stand on that, but the simplicity is what gets us there quickly. It's what gets us there without getting tripped up. When we can just say, hey, the word of God is true. God told me, he'll never lie to me, and he's given me this. And he says, every word is true. It's my word. So you can simply trust it. Go to it every day. It'll work. Sometimes wisdom says, you can't believe that promise. I mean, look how, look how many smart people don't believe this promise that Jesus made, that God made. But faith says, I must believe That promise, no matter how crazy or illogical it might seem, because I know and I love and I trust the promiser. God himself is the one that I trust. It's his reputation that I stand on. And if he says, rainbows are purple, skittles, I'm going to believe it. No, he doesn't, but that would be interesting. (laughs) So now verse 17, back in Luke chapter 2. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. So the shepherds saw the sign, they saw the Mary and Joseph and the camels and all of that. But what, what did they care about is when they saw him. You see that word in there? Him. That's what changed their lives. That's what saved them, is when they saw him. These simple shepherds that no one trusted and no one liked, now they told everyone about Jesus and it amazed everyone. They didn't have a reputation. They didn't have smart words. They did not have all the answers. But what they had was something that amazed all the people and gave them this soapbox to stand on to the world and that was faith they believed in god's promise and now they had experienced the glory of god god had shown them; god showed glory to these shepherds that no one else had seen or known or experienced and these shepherds now had a depth to their relationship with god that nobody else had no one had seen angels or the glory of god at this day Only these shepherds had. And the glory of God changes everything. How? Moses' face shone because of the glory of God. You remember that? That was back in the Old Testament. When Moses saw it, and then he put on a veil. You ever wonder why he put on a veil? And he kept it on for a while? It says it was because the glory was fading it's because Moses was embarrassed that he had this glory at one time, but it was fading away. And he was, he was kind of disappointed, and he was like, well, I don't want the people to see that the glory's fading because I'm Moses and I have to lead these millions of people, and, 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 and so I'm going to put a veil so they don't see that it's fading away. Now, in our lives, that does not have to be the case. See, because Moses is a picture of the old covenant, the old way of doing things, where our works fade, the glory of them fades. But when we focus on God and his works, which is the new covenant, what did Jesus do for me? That glory does not fade. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. One verse. It's our last verse. For, well, no, it's not. But you can pretend it's our last verse. might make you feel better. Alright, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, we're talking about this glory. Okay, the shepherds saw the glory of God. It was revealed to them. Amazing. They had it now inside them. Moses, he had glory, but it faded. So how can I not be like that? Look at 2 Corinthians 4 6. It says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in where? In the face of Jesus Christ. So check this out. This is amazing. The shepherds saw the glory of God and it led them to Jesus Christ, right? They found out how to have real knowledge of more of the glory of God. So God showed him his glory, just like he showed Moses. But the shepherds, see, the shepherds, the glory would have faded too. It would have totally faded in their life if they wouldn't have gone to Jesus. It would have just, ah, that was a great day. You remember that day? That was so awesome. Uh, I'm bored now. That's what happens. But God led them. This is why Jesus is the Savior, Because God can lead us to Jesus, who gives us knowledge of more of the glory of God. He takes us deeper into God than just what we could see in one moment. God desires for us to have a day-by-day experience of having more and more glory. He wants you to be these shepherds every day. To have the glory of god just revealed around you given to you and what happened he describes how it happens in this verse he says it shines in our hearts and it gives us the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so he says he's just like god created the sun and the sun doesn't stop shining it's shining every day fire burning nuclear i don't even understand but it always is there right God says, just like I did that, that's my illustration for you of what I want to do in your heart and what Jesus Christ is to your soul. He is always burning. He is always a source of glory, of weight, of what you need, of God himself and the relationship you can have with him is always in Jesus. And it's available to you every single day, he says. It's in the face of Jesus. Jesus. Boom. Put that in your heart pipe and smoke it. I had that in my notes. I just thought it was funny. (sighs) Do you want to make a difference in this world? You must come to Jesus by faith every day. Then the joy of your heart will blow the minds of this world. That's what happens with the shepherds right now. There's such a beautiful picture of worthless people touched by God and then they make a decision to go to him and now they have this continual relationship with God through his son and now they're being used by God. They're telling all the people. The people are freaking out. They're like, how do these shepherds? What are these shepherds, shepherds, shepherds? What? what?" But they're used by God. Seminary does not prepare you for ministry. Bible college does not prepare you for ministry. The only thing that prepares you for ministry and serving and loving people is time in the face of Jesus Christ. Having that glory permeate your life, flow in and out and through you. Verse 19 in Luke chapter 2. But Mary, 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 the mother of Jesus, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did. Verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So then the reality of life was different for the shepherds. Their life is totally changed. They didn't just go back to the grind of work. They are filled with a real joy and and. Their lives are now filled with glorifying God, moment by moment, and yet they're still shepherds. God didn't just give them a new job. Oh, you're saved now. Come be incense burners. No, they're still shepherds. They still have a job, but their lives are totally different. Your problem is not your job. It's not. The reason why you don't have joy is because you're not going to Jesus. I guarantee it. I promise you because that's God's promise. You go to my son, you will have joy and peace. Continually. Your problem isn't your family and your kids and your mean husband and your terrible wife. Your problem is Jesus and you are not, you're not trusting him. You're not going to him daily. That is our only problem. Because that is the, he is the savior. He fixes all problems. And he can give you endurance and love in a terrible job and a terrible marriage and terrible family in any circumstance, anything he can save if you go to him. No one taught them how to glorify and praise God. These shepherds just know now how to do that. It's, it's rising up from inside them. It's overflowing from their hearts. Their sheep were just as stinky. Their job was just as boring. But their hearts are now changed by the glory of God and the promises fulfilled by Jesus that they now experience because they believe. How crazy is that? Jesus came to change you. Jesus came to save you. He has promised that he can if you would come to him and believe him and trust him. He says he'll do it. And during this Christmas time, let's learn this lesson from these simple shepherds and simply go to Jesus by faith. Nothing needs to be cleaned up. Nothing needs to be dealt with beforehand. beforehand. Just come to Jesus by faith. In your marriage, go to him. In your parenting, go to him. In your thought life, go to him. In your spare time, go to him. In your job, go to him. In your days and your nights, go to him. In your sorrow and grief, go to him. In your pleasures and with your treasures, go to him. Go to him. Bow down to him surrender to him he is the definition of humility and his yoke is easy and his burden is light so go to him if you do you will be filled and surrounded with the very glory of god that's his promise full of light and righteousness if you do you will be a witness to this world like the shepherds You'll have the glory around you like them. You'll be a witness to the world like them. If you do, your life will never be the same like these shepherds. Their life was never the same. They were still shepherds, but their life was never the same. So easy for us to just be simple shepherds who just go to Jesus. When we hear the word of God, go to him. That's what he's calling us to do. Every time you hear something from the Bible, God is simply calling you saying, come to my son. Come to him. And it's your choice to do that today or not. Let us, we're done. You guys did great. Thank you guys so much for celebrating Christmas with us. We're going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing one more song. And uh, make sure you give Melody a big high five afterwards because she's been awesome. It's very beautiful. So go ahead and come on up. Everyone, please stand up as we, sing, as we uh, pray and sing our last song. Father, we, we want to trust you and trust your words. We thank you so much for Christmas where we can hear a, a uh, just be reminded about what you did, Jesus Christ, for yeah. us. And Lord, we want to come to you, Lord, with the struggles of our families and our jobs and Our lives and how boring or repetitive or hurting that we we experience Lord we want to come to you amid all those things and we want to feel and know your glory that you are greater than all those things and that Lord our life can be about praising you honoring you and worshiping you even when we don't feel like it Lord and even when temptations come our way and we feel that the world desires for us to come after ungodly things Lord, I pray that you would help us to honor you and trust you above all. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you create in us, you shine in our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God when we look at the face of Jesus Christ. In all your humility, Lord, we praise you. We love you. We pray that you'd help us respond to every call that you place in our lives to, to serve you. We thank you, Lord, so much. For each person in here and how special they are to you how you know the very hairs of our head you numbered them all you know what we go through in our lives you know our sorrows you know our trials and yet you still declare that you are our savior you're jesus of nazareth the one who came to those who were were lost you come to those who are hurting to the slaves and the poor and you declare openly that you are all that we need It's so good to have someone that we can call upon and we can trust. So I pray uh, right now that every single person in here would make that decision to trust you today. And if there's anyone in here today that has never made that choice that I want to believe and I want to be saved by this Jesus. I believe that he was the substitute for my sin, but I want to go to him right now. Right now is an opportunity for you to say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to believe and go to him and have that peace and joy that you all talk about. That is an offer made to you right now. And if you would like, you can pray and you can say, Lord, I need you. I believe in your word. Please save me too. And begin this relationship of coming to him day after day and letting him change your life, allowing him to pour into you his very spirit, renouncing your own abilities, your own wisdom, and turning to him and his word on a daily basis. Jesus, we trust you in all these things, and we pray for every heart in here that you would encourage them, hold them, and comfort them. In your name we pray, amen.